The following message was recorded at Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. More information can be found online at Bethlehem.Church. The sermon text for today comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 8. We'll start in verse 40. Under the inspiration of the Spirit, Luke writes, Now when Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. And there came a man named Jairus, who was a ruler of the synagogue. And falling at Jesus' feet, he implored him to come to his house. For he had an only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. As Jesus went, the people pressed around him. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years, and though she had spent all her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. She came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment, and immediately her discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus said, Who was it that touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowds surround you and are pressing in on you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me, for I perceive that power has gone out from me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling And falling down before him, declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. While he was still speaking, someone from the ruler's house came and said, Your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. But Jesus, on hearing this, answered him, Do not fear. Only believe, and she will be well. And when he came to the house, he allowed no one to enter with him except Peter and James and John and the father and mother of the child. And all were weeping and mourning for her. But he said, do not weep, for she is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But taking her by the hand, he called her, saying, child, arise. And her spirit returned, and she got up at once. And he directed that something should be given her to eat. And her parents were amazed, but he charged them to tell no one what had happened. Good morning. It's a joy to be with you. Some of us uh, pastors spent some, some time in Sarasota this, earlier this weekend um, with many of the, of the pastors from the TCT churches, the Treasure in Christ Together churches in uh, it, was, it was a beautiful time, and it's also humbling and exciting to see what the Lord is doing through the ministry of, of this church in so many ways during different seasons. So uh, it, is, it was a blessing, but it's, it's good to be back. Pastor Kenny is going to be officiating a, a service in Florida this morning to, to um, Pray for Pastor uh, Luis Mendez as he is going to join uh, Gracias Sobre Gracia Church of Michael Galliano is leading there. So um, it's great to be back, and it's, it's also great to see what the Lord is doing. Um, as I was as I was meditating in this in this text in in this in this moment, um, it came it came to me that that this scene that we're about to see that we just read about. It's just a great illustration of, of what's going on right now here. Jesus is coming back to Galilee, and 
according to the narratives, he's, he's, he's coming in a boat, and, and it's already people waiting for him, a multitude probably of people there for different reasons. I'm sure some of them are just there out of curiosity, and some have needs, and some are just brought in by someone else. And I think it's just a great illustration of what happens here at our church, in, in every church, every morning. When we come from different places, different situations of life, different things going on in our lives, and Jesus, and Jesus is coming towards us. And for many of them, Jesus was just a, you know, just a teacher, just maybe a, a powerful prophet, but Jesus is so much more than that. And I can only imagine the two characters we're going to see this morning asking themselves, would he be able to, to do this for me? Does Jesus have enough power, enough wisdom to do what I need him to do for me, to help me? And we know, and we know the answer is yes. He's powerful enough. He's big enough. He's bigger than everything. So I'm not sure what your need is this morning, but I've been praying for you. I've been praying that some of you come this morning with needs beyond comprehension, with needs that go beyond what you ever thought it would ever happen to you. And my prayer is that you would meet Jesus today through His Word. Jesus would meet you, and that would make all the difference in your life this morning. So let me pray for that. Lord, as we come to your word today, would you give us eyes, eyes of faith, to see you, Lord, to see you in your greatness, to see you in your power, even when we in our own hearts are hopeless, even when we feel down this morning or sad or depressed or weak, would you come and draw near to us so that we can reach out to you and experience your power, your touch. Lord, do that for our joy and for your great namesake. In Jesus' name. Amen. As Pastor Kenny said last, last Sunday, our text is part of a three-part set um, that is intended to demonstrate that Jesus, the Son of God, has all authority and power over sickness and death. In the last two accounts that were covered, the last two Sunday sermons, we saw Jesus has all authority over creation and also all authority over demonic powers. In these two stories today, there's also a remarkable display of Jesus' compassion towards those who experience suffering and desperate need. Their lives were forever changed when in their need they run to Jesus in faith. 
So my main point this morning for this passage is that Jesus, the Messiah, has all authority and sovereign power over sickness and death. And that He shows loving compassion towards those who in their desperate need turn to Him in faith. And I would probably do three points in my sermon. Jesus has sovereign power over sickness. Second, Jesus has compassion towards those who in their desperate need turn to Him in faith. And Jesus has sovereign power over death. And I will speak about some points of application. So first, Jesus has sovereign power over sickness. So far, Luke has shown us how Jesus has sovereign power over creation as He commanded the wind and the sea, and they obeyed. And we saw Jesus' authority and power over the spiritual forces of darkness and how thousands of demons tremble before the name of Jesus Christ. It's like Jesus is this light of the world. And he's encountering all this darkness caused by the curse of sin in everything. Both in the physical world and the spiritual world. But in our passage today, we see another of the effects of sin in this world. The devastating reality of sickness. First we see this 12-year-old little girl who who's very sick. So sick that her father knows that she is dying. We are not told exactly what her condition is, but we know it's very serious. Perhaps something sudden, an unexpected accident, something like what happened to my friend Julio when we were in fifth grade. And during this basketball practice, he suddenly collapsed on the court. His parents came, took him to the hospital, and after a bunch of tests, they discovered he had leukemia, totally out of the blue. Or maybe this little girl had a condition she was born with, something she had struggled with years and something that's been a burden to her parents for, many, for, for a long time. We don't know, but we know she was very ill. And then the second person we see in this story is this woman who for 12 years has suffered of a debilitating discharge of blood. In her case, not only is she very ill, but the text says that She's also desperate because she has spent all of her living on physicians and she could not be healed by anyone. So she's not only sick now, she's probably out of money and then she's out of hope. There's added complexity to her situation because the nature of a condition, because of the nature of her condition, Israel's ceremonial laws require that she would be seen and treated as impure, unclean. And therefore, most likely, this woman would constantly be rejected and excluded 
from all fellowship with other people around her. She couldn't come to the temple and worship. She couldn't probably live with family in the house because according to Leviticus 15, everything she touches it becomes unclean also. So I think these two accounts point us to the devastating effect of sickness in our lives. And we can all relate to that, don't we? So that's the, you know, we, some of us have not probably seen a miracle like Jesus uh, talking to the waters and they cease to the wind. Or maybe none of us have, most of us have never seen uh, demonic possession going on. But we all know what it's to be sick. And it sucks. <laughs> I remember we were driving to, to take our kids to school. And I wasn't feeling well in the morning. But, you know, probably the tacos of the night before. <laughs> so we start driving. And we've been driving for probably two minutes. And this pain is just increasing. And increasing. And increasing. To the point that I feel like I've been stabbed. So it hurts here and it hurts in my back. And I can, I'm trying to hold it. My kids are little and we're driving to school. There's other family with us. So we have some, another family arrived. And now I need to stop because I can't drive anymore. So I stop the car. I go to the back of the car and I start what I felt were nauseous and vomiting. And the pain wouldn't go away. Long story short, I had a stone, a kidney stone. And some of you have had that, and it sucks. <laughs> and that started this, you know, this, I would say, short journey of, of one day in the hospital for doctors to try to figure out what was going on. And then they told me, this tiny little stone was causing all this pain. It was painful. I call her Dolores when she came out. Again, sickness is a universal thing. Everybody knows about it. Even in our story today, we can see that sickness touches the young, the old, the rich, the poor. Nobody can escape. Sickness has a profound impact in human life. Physical pain. Emotional suffering, sadness and depression, fear, loss of resources, shame, takes away freedom, takes away independence, takes away your ability to function normally, inability to work, inability to concentrate, inability to operate in the normal way. The family suffers. Some suffer in private, and others suffer in public. 
Some sickness can put us in very desperate situations. Some sickness can be chronic and last for a lifetime or acute. Sometimes sickness is very visible. Everybody knows you're sick. And sometimes nobody knows about it. Let me read you a short testimony from from Brother Paul Tripp. Most of you have read his books. And not too long ago, he was diagnosed with, with a terrible sickness. And he wrote this. He said, the abbreviated story is that I was in acute kidney failure. And I have waited another seven or ten days. If I have waited another seven or ten days to go to the hospital, you probably wouldn't be receiving my weekly email devotional anymore. Four years and six surgeries later, my symptoms are as manageable as possible. But I have been left with a phys- I, I have been left a physical damaged man. My suffering was real. My dysfunction in my body was real. The pain I went through was horribly real. The damage to my kidneys is real. And the weakness is now my normal life. And this will continue to be real. So when I realized that I was very ill and that the weakness and fatigue would be with me for the rest of my life, the blow was not just physical but emotional and spiritual as well. Honestly, I didn't suffer just the physical pain, but also the even more profound pain of the death of my delusion of invincibility and the pride of productivity. We know how it feels when something is not right. We make the appointment. We go to the doctor. We agree to have some tests. We worry. We get the results. We hear the diagnosis. We worry. We go through treatment. We struggle to find courage, the strength to accept that this is really happening to us. And in the story we're reading, in both cases, time and money and treatment is not helping. They're not getting better. It's getting worse. And that adds to the frustration and hopelessness. So physical illness is a big enemy. But the question we're, we're, the thing we're seeing right now is then what, what happens when sickness meets Lord Jesus? When sickness meets Jesus... Sickness bows down before its God. When sickness meets Jesus, sickness bows down before its God. And that is why this encounter is not a coincidence, but a sovereign appointed moment to demonstrate once again that Jesus is the Son of God, the promised Messiah, and to lead these needy people to the only place where they can find true hope. And you might be asking, where, where does this power and authority come from? The authority and power of the Son 
of God comes first from His role as the Creator of all things. As the one true Son of God, God the Son, Jesus, created every aspect in the universe, including stars and galaxies and planets and oceans and continents, and also every living creature and every human being, every organ in the human body was designed and created by Him. Therefore, He has all authority and power over every disease and bacteria and virus, over bleeding and cancer cells, because all things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. He has authority and power because He's the Creator. Second, He has authority. Not only He created all things, but Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature. And He upholds the universe by the word of His power. That means that every particle in the universe... And its unique function is sustained by Jesus. Each breath in every person in that multitude pressing against Jesus, every muscle that contracts, every step that led this Jewish father to Jesus, each heartbeat of that little girl's heart lying on her bed dying, and each drop of blood that this woman is losing is under the absolute control and sovereignty of King Jesus. So whatever, whatever your situation is this morning, or has been for years, don't let the devil lie to you to say that this illness has control over your life. No. King Jesus has control over your life and over sickness in every cell because He is God. Jesus also demonstrates His providence and sovereign control over time and circumstances. As he came to this world in the appointed, in the appointed time to inaugurate the kingdom of God and fulfill all the promises made about him by the prophets. So the text says, And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. And though she had spent all her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. She came up to him and touched the fringe of his garment. And immediately her discharge of blood ceased. So this woman reaches out to Jesus to touch the fringe of his cloak. And what 12 years of treatment could not accomplish. 12 long years of doctors and medicines could not accomplish that happens in a split second when Jesus exerts his healing power. So just like the waves and the wind obey, and just like thousands of demons tremble before him, when sickness meets Jesus, sickness bows down before its God. 
And that is why this encounter, again, is not a coincidence, but a sovereign appointed moment to demonstrate once again that Jesus is the Son of God. He's the promised Messiah. Second, Jesus has compassion towards those who in their desperate need turn to him in faith. So, so far in the narrative, we have seen how a desperate father, a ruler from the synagogue, and also, and also a woman with an issue of blood have approached Jesus in their desperate need. And what we see in this next section of our passage is that Jesus responds with deep compassion towards those in need. And this is demonstrated in, in, in a couple of ways, and I would like to s- see it with you. First, several times in the Gospels, we can, it is explicit that Jesus feels compassion when he sees people in need. In Matthew 14, 14, he says, when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Jesus has a compassionate heart. Also, we can see it by, by answering the plea of this father. The text says that Jesus did not hesitate in going with him to see his daughter. Even with the multitude pressing against him, his prompt answer shows his compassionate disposition to help those who come to him in need. In other words, Jesus really cares. He's deeply moved by the suffering of his people. This Jesus is not just this powerful emotionless God. He truly cares. He's a physician that cares. For many years back in El Salvador, we, we, we did medical, medical mission trips and physicians from, from different places and mainly from the States would come and we'll go to really needy places and, and be there for a week and And I remember visiting people in their houses or being an interpreter inside of this clinic. And the one thing, you know, not, 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 not just the medicine and the care and the diagnosis and the questions, but the one thing that people appreciated is that the person across the desk or the chair really cared. In his compassion, Jesus cares. If you are carrying a burden, if you are carrying this burden on you, Jesus has compassion for you and he cares. Not only that, but he shows his compassion by responding to and affirming this woman. Any of the original readers of this account would immediately understand why the woman with the issue of blood would have been afraid and ashamed to get close to Jesus. 
Her condition rendered her unclean. And due to, to her condition, this woman was prohibited from approaching the temple. It is also very likely that she would not even be able to approach someone from her own family since all the things she touched were considered unclean. So it is very understandable that she would have think that Jesus would reject her. But instead of that, after, he, after she touches Jesus, he heals her immediately. Not only that, Jesus calls her out and makes sure that everyone knows that she is well. Jesus restores her dignity as a woman and acknowledges her and calls her daughter in public and tells her to go in peace. Now as I ponder this, this story and why we have two stories together, the same way in all three Gospels, it seemed that the Holy Spirit wanted us to see that the love and concern and compassion of this father for his sick and dying daughter is just an illustration of Jesus' love and concern for this dying daughter that is so sick. You see this father coming to Jesus begging for his daughter's life. It's just an illustration of Jesus' fatherly love for this woman and for us. Luke has told the readers how precious the sick daughter was to Jairus. The the use of daughter with reference to the woman with blood flow tells the readers how precious she is to Jesus. You know this psalm. We read it this morning as a father shows compassion to his children. So the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. And she doesn't know that yet. But in order to make her whole, in order to her to become a daughter of the kingdom, Jesus will eventually bled. He will bleed. His blood will be the payment for her ultimate healing. His blood will be the payment for her adoption to God's family. Third, Jesus has sovereign power over death. The text says now... Just when the crowd had just witnessed this great miracle, a tragic announcement comes to Jairus. Is this, you know, this healing is so miraculous, so public. Everybody must be amazed by Jesus' power to heal. And then this bucket of cold water. His servants come running to say, 
your daughter is dead. Don't trouble the teacher anymore. It's easy to read it. You know, it's easy to read. It's hard just to think about. And I know some of you have heard these words, and that's why it's so hard. Some of you have heard these sometimes. That someone dear, that someone close to you has died. At this point, all the noise and excitement of the healing miracle is silenced by the presence of death. Like sickness, like sickness death is the consequence of the fall of all humanity in the, in the scene of Adam. And the entrance of death into the world with the result that every human being is under the condemnation of death. Because of one man's trespass, Death reigned through that one man. It has reigned over all people and infants and rich and poor and men and women, every race and ethnicity in this case. This little girl's sickness ended in death. Like sickness, death has a profound consequence in human life. The fear, the guilt. What if I could have done more? Probably this dad was thinking, what if I run faster? What if I had some, do something else, you'd still be alive? The issue with death is that it adds the element of irrevocability, separation from loved ones and family, emotional distress cannot be defeated. It's final, right? It's final. The Bible calls death the final enemy. And again, many of us have listened to this dreaded phrase before. Your mom died. Your father died. Your husband died. In Jairus' case, this was his, his only daughter. This news would have totally devastated him. And even the sermons believe there's no hope. They tell Jairus that he should not bother the master anymore because death is final. There's nothing else to do. But they are wrong. They are wrong. Because Jesus, the Son of God, has all authority and all power even over death. He is the resurrection and the life. Amen? He is God, so even death must flee at His command. So Jesus responds by reminding Jairus 
not to jump to conclusions. He tells him, don't be afraid. Just believe, and she will be healed. Here, trust means understanding that Jesus has authority even over death. Everything about this double miracle points to the need to trust in God's power, His presence, and timing over ultimate human well-being. Jesus walks, comes to this place. There's so many things happening there. He asks everybody to leave. People is crying. And then he says, he takes her by the hand, verse 54, and he calls her saying, child, arise. And his spirit returned, and she got up at once. It is, a shock, it is a shocking glimpse into who Jesus is. He's not only a great teacher, but he's God himself. By raising, by raising Jairus' daughter, Jesus shows ahead of time that his father has power over the final enemy, treating death as if it were only sleep. He said something like, sweetie, It's time to wake up. Let me finish this morning with just some points of application. Sickness and death point to a deeper spiritual reality. Both of these miracles are related to uncleanness and impurity. And I think the purpose of these two miracles together is to point to a deeper sickness, a deeper death, a spiritual sickness and a spiritual death that can be only treated and healed by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ in the cross. Something else. Because Jesus bled and died, one day we, those who trust in Him, will not suffer sickness and death no more. Amen? In due time, Jesus, the Son of God, will shed his own blood so that this woman will never have to bleed again. In due time, Jesus will die so that no child who trusts in him would ever have to die again. Because Jesus has conquered sickness and death, we can put our trust in him. If you are suffering now, Please be assured that Jesus is still healing. Please be assured that the power of Jesus is real. And that there will be people here at the end of the service willing, eager to pray with you and for you. Lastly, I would like to ask you, the response, the right response to this message is, both trust 
and faith in this mighty Savior and healer and worship and recognition of His greatness. So death, death and sickness will not have the last word in our lives. Amen? Please stand and let's pray. Lord, thank you that through this story we see ourselves, we see you. My prayer is that you would open our eyes in faith this morning and that by faith we'll reach out to you in our need and put our trust in you and our hope in you even in the most difficult times. Lord, show yourself again as this mighty healer. There's no one like you, Lord. We pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter their content in any way without written permission from Bethlehem Baptist Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us online at Bethlehem.Church or write us at 720-13th Avenue South, Minneapolis, Minnesota, 55415. Bethlehem Baptist Church, spreading a passion for the supremacy of God in all things, for the joy of all peoples, through Jesus Christ.